tuned in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I am your host, Sarah Jane. I live, work, and love beer here in D.C. During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer and continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU. Since then, I have been a beer director, beer bar general manager, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week, I will have a different guest from different facets of the beer world, from brewers, importers, bartenders, educators, to help us explore this fascinating and dynamic world. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So today, I'm very excited to welcome back Greg Anger. He's the managing partner and beer director for Neighborhood Restaurant Group here in Washington, D.C., also my former boss. Uh, He just crushed it last time he came on the show so i'm very excited to welcome back uh greg thank you for stopping by Thanks. so uh wanted to talk a little bit about a very exciting festival coming up on saturday so this is snallagaster this is the seventh year um put on uh by neighborhood restaurant group so, Greg, you want to tell our listeners a little bit about it? Cool. So, thanks again for having me. Um, and it's always great to see you, Sarah Jane. So, and I love the show. Snallygaster is coming up this Saturday. And, um, yeah, it's in its seventh year. It started uh, out actually back at Rustico mm-hmm. in Alexandria, which was our first beer property for Neighborhood Restaurant Group and the one that actually got my... Uh, start at was at Rustico back in 2006. Uh, so back then we were doing this little uh, Oktoberfest event, uh, little at the time, I guess, in the, in the back parking lot at Rustico. Mm-hmm. And it kind of grew uh, pretty exponentially over the years. We did our first one in seven, eight, nine, when we opened Church Key. We still were doing it out there. Mm-hmm. We started thinking about doing one in DC, but you know we weren't there yet. And then uh, in 10, it was pretty really it was really really popular and then in 2011 it was so overwhelmingly attended out in Virginia that we were told we were no longer allowed to do that I mean I think there were like 6,000 people in a little parking lot oh. spilling on the streets which was amazing mm-hmm. um, but it just didn't uh, it just didn't uh, pan out for for that space so we were like okay we got to find a new one and you know having open church key in DC with blue jacket on the horizon uh, down in Navy Yard, we started looking for spaces and found a great space in Navy Yard. So at that time, we just decided to kind of turn up the volume on the event from being an Oktoberfest kind of fall party to being just like a massive beer fest. Mm-hmm. We renamed it Snallygaster, um, and uh, and then and 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 there it went. You know, we had begun Michael Babin, who's our founder had started an amazing nonprofit that's still going strong called Arcadia Center for Sustainable Food and Ar- uh, Agriculture. Uh, it's located down in, uh, in Mount Vernon uh, area of uh, Virginia and Alexandria and on the Woodlawn Estate. And, you know, this is an incredible organization that we were using uh, Oktoberfest and then Snallygaster uh, to raise money for Arcadia. And that has been the, the, the predominant uh, purpose of the festival uh, for the last seven years. So each year it's grown. Uh, we've made really cool tweaks 
to it. Uh, we're up to 400 different beers now from 125 different brewers, mead makers, cider producers. Uh, we're even serving wine uh, in a couple different tents now. So uh, it's, a, it's an event that's kept growing, uh, and it really has become, I think, one of the most uh, amazing Mid-Atlantic beer fests. Yeah, and it's incredibly dynamic. You have food, you have live music. It's, you know, a really fantastic event. So and where does the name come from? So, yeah, so when we were trying to figure out names, names are always hard, like whether you're naming your children or you're naming restaurants uh, or bars or now, you know, at Blue Jacket trying to come up with names for hundreds of different beers over the past five years. It's just really difficult. Um, we spent a lot of time on it and effort. And, uh, you know, so when we were going to move the Big Beer Fest from Rustico, where it was actually known as Octo Beer Fest. Mm-hmm. Not very creative, but easy enough. Uh, and we wanted, we wanted to give it its own identity. And yeah. so we, we threw a lot of ideas at the wall. And the one that really stuck was one that was inspired by the kind of beast beastly monstrous nature of this festival like having this many beers this many people you know you mentioned food like having 20 different food vendors and having uh half a dozen different bands on two different stages and stuff like that so this is just a mega fest and so we started thinking about monsters and did a little research and found out that uh the northern virginia dc maryland delaware region has its own kind of monster uh, mythology. Uh, so it's not Loch Ness, it's not Bigfoot uh, here, but it's uh, the Snallygaster, which is this kind of like uh, dragon-esque creature that used to terrify the denizens of Northern Virginia, D.C., and uh, Southern Maryland back in the, I think the... It was like the 1800s. 18th century, yeah, 19th century, yeah, in the 1800s. Um, so yeah, so it just sounds like a cool... Uh, homage to the local scene mm-hmm. uh, and it definitely invoked the the monster nature of the fest but also just kind of sounds cool even if you have no idea what it's about so that was important as well yeah and it definitely I mean I've, I've watched the execution of the event there are a lot of moving pieces so for people just tuning in I'm talking with Greg Engert he's the managing partner and beer director for neighborhood restaurant group we're talking all about Snallygaster coming up on Saturday uh, so Greg why are beer festivals important? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think it's, they, they've changed a lot over time. You know, mm-hmm. it, back in the old days, uh, 15, I mean, when I say the old days, that could even be five years ago, frankly, how, how quickly craft beer changes. But like, you know, 10, 15, definitely 20 years ago, craft beer was not, uh, anything like it is today. People were not clamoring for craft beer. It was not ubiquitous. You didn't see it on draft at Whole Foods. I mean, well, you didn't have Whole Foods, and then when it came around, it wasn't on draft there. But like, you didn't see it on your, you know, in 7-Elevens. You didn't see it on the, the dive bar list or the local sports bar. Craft beer was very hard to find. Mm-hmm. And that's because, well, there wasn't a lot of interest, a lot of mainstream interest, and there wasn't a lot of interest from mainstream distributors to mess with a good thing they had, which was selling uh, industrial uh, macro lager uh, at cut rate prices to the masses. So it was kind of hard to get your hands on beer. If you were a beer geek, uh, you would have trouble, especially if you didn't live near like an urban environment. You couldn't, you didn't have beer bars nearby. You know, you didn't have a lot of like uh, great beer stores maybe 
And you might have some breweries, but they typically were just producing beer. They weren't actually selling it direct like they are today in tap rooms. So if you wanted to find and gain access to these beers, you would have to look beyond the standard approach of, you know, bottle shop, bar, restaurant, or brewery. And back then, I think that, like, uh, Beer Fest answered that interest really well. Uh, They get a lot of like-minded brewers together who also needed to find a place to sell all the beer they were making because there weren't a lot of outlets. Uh, Get a lot of like-minded guests together who were seriously interested in just tasting as many new different beers as they possibly could. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. I mean, I know I tasted a lot of beers for the first time at festivals. I've discovered new breweries at festivals. Uh, I think a lot of people did that in the old days. I mean, that's how you did it. Uh, So festivals are are a huge legacy thing for craft beer. Uh, Over time, of course, the dream that we all had, which was for craft beer to become mainstream, has come true. I was going to say, you you find craft beer everywhere, in airports, yeah. So how is uh, how are festivals still relevant? Then? Well, so it's funny. I mean, you'd think on the one hand that they wouldn't be relevant. I think they they certainly are. Although not everyone that existed 15 years ago is still around. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had to evolve. They've had to morph a little bit. I think you know I'd want to, you'd almost expect that there's fewer festivals. But I can tell you, uh, having a brewery in Navy Yard. That where there is a beer festival seemingly every weekend, that's not the case. But I think there's been a kind of um, bifurcation of festivals. So um, now, in an effort to lure in guests who are still looking to taste things they've never had, to f- discover new breweries, um, a lot of fests have become ultra rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these festivals are, you know, pay a hundred bucks, get a small glass, three hours to go around and taste as many new things, cultish beers. Uh, whale bottles and drafts as you possibly can wait in line and all that other stuff that's definitely a thing there's many of those out there um, on the other side there's kind of more mainstream drinking fests <laughs> I think to, for lack of a better term where they're just fun it's like it's Saturday afternoon we're going to tap a bunch of kegs in a parking lot and uh, you're going to pay 40 bucks and come in and drink for two hours and then go about your day, go to Blue Jacket afterwards, go to other bars and restaurants. And they're kind of a little bit more of like a party atmosphere. Sometimes there'll be some cool bands there. So I think that's kind of how they've remained relevant. Mm-hmm. Scarcity and just partying on the other hand. And, uh, and that's been fun. Snallygaster has obviously had to go through some changes. And I think there's truly nothing like it these days because we've been around so long. I mean, we've been around since uh, 2007 technically at Rustico. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, you know, now in our seventh year in in DC, we've seen the changes and evolved a bit. And the biggest thing we always wanted to do was to kind of merge those two things. We never wanted to just be like, it's all about the whales. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets a tiny little glass, walks around and takes off beers and it's silent because there's no music and there's very little food, probably not the best amenities. And it's just all about like scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. And we also didn't want to just be about Everybody shows up and just goes like wild, pounded beers. So we have a really beautiful confluence of both of those approaches. I think it's Nally Gaster now, where we're a pay-as-you-go fest. You know, your, your ticket gets you uh, a certain amount of tickets that you can use to buy different sizes of beers. Mm-hmm. Um, we serve them. The rarest beers come in four-ounce pours. Uh, then we do seven ounce and 14 ounce pours. So, you know, sometimes at a festival, you want to stop just tasting and you want to actually have a beer. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important for us. Uh, we have 
a bunch of bands. We have tons of food. We have great amenities. I mean, like this year, we added 75% more shade. You know, like, because you never know. It's going to be hot. It's going to be like raining. It's going to be sunny. Um, lots of restrooms, uh, lots of games, cool activation for families. So we've really done a good job. And, and then still, of course, having the rarest beers around accompanied by beers that you just want to drink. So I think we've done a good job of kind of maintaining this, this, uh, the double festival. Yeah. Well, there are tickets still available. Definitely check it out online. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back on full service radio. Beer me. Welcome back to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, recording live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I am your host, Sarah Jane, sitting down with Greg Engert, the managing partner and beer director for Neighborhood Restaurant Group. We're talking all about Snallygaster uh, Beer Festival coming up on uh, Saturday here in Washington, D.C. Uh, and just a little correction, go on to snallygasterdc.com to get your tickets. So, Greg, this year... The festival has changed locations. Uh, Previously, it was down in Navy Yard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, it's going to be near the Canadian Embassy, I believe. Yeah, 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 right near the Canadian Embassy. Funny way to put it. I know. I know. It's just that's how I categorize that area. But um, I want to talk a little bit about logistics. This is a Mm -hmm. massive, massive undertaking. I don't think people understand how much goes into executing a beer festival, let alone a good one. Yeah, it's, it is a wild, uh, huge undertaking. Um, so, yeah, so this year, you know, in years past, we've been down in Navy Yard. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been lots of open spaces there that have been uh, developed over time. So we've been kind of shuffling around. And we've also, back then, down there, we were limited to when we could do the event based on the Nationals baseball schedule yep. and possible playoff, uh, you know, involvement. So... This year, we started to look elsewhere just because, you know, we didn't, we wanted to look at a date in October. Uh, We were looking to kind of refresh the event. We'd been in the same space near Nat Stadium for a few years now. And, um, and we found this uh, amazing location on Pennsylvania Avenue, right in front of the Capitol building, uh, between 7th and uh, 3rd, uh, four city blocks. It's incredible. So uh, we actually increased the amount of space by about 50% this year. Um, to give people more room. We mm-hmm. have two entrances, um, so uh, we can process people and get them in even faster than we've done in the past, and we've been really fast at it. So uh, the logistics have uh, always been in- intense, but this year it's kind of like starting from uh, fresh, like opening a new restaurant, and uh, it's amazing. We have an incredible team. You know, Tim Liu is the assistant beer director for Neighborhood Restaurant Group. Uh, year, every year he's been with us, he's been increasingly taking on more and more of this event. Mm-hmm. And so this year he's been really, really on top of logistics and doing an incredible job managing 125 different brewers, uh, 400 different beers, 
countless distributors, countless brewers. I mean, the equipment that it takes to pour 400 beers, most of which are on draft, mm-hmm. is astonishing. You know, between jockey boxes and quick tap faucets, we have to make sure we have it. We have to round it up. We have to get it there. We have to put it away. We have to tag it. Uh, the beer itself, you know, distributors and brewers bring a lot of it, but we're dealing with a lot of distri- a lot of brewers who couldn't be here themselves. So I think we're handling, you know, about 150 different kegs and 150 different cases of beer that have been shipped to NRG restaurants over the past couple of weeks, and we've been holding them cold, and we'll have to get those to the event and out, you know, yeah. 20 food vendors, uh, all of the permitting to be on Pennsylvania Avenue. You can imagine it's crazy. All the security ticketing you know this is 10,000 people so it's like it's it's uh, a ton from that uh, angle so you know Eric Bergman who you know as well Mm -hmm. uh, is our director of operations he's always uh, a huge huge lead on on this event Uh, and he's doing incredible uh, work this year as well and then a couple other guys Dylan Pitcher and and Bruno Samoas who works with us in uh, in the beer division of NRG have also been chipping in along with Ryan Pelican to do amazing stuff. Yeah. So I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, without getting into too much detail, the cost of what it takes to execute a beer festival. Sure. And and why, you know, how that's kind of reflected in ticket sales and, and how you have to be conscious of those things, especially when everything that you are making is going straight into a nonprofit and you want as much... Right you know, to go into that as possible. Exactly. So exactly. Because I mean, when you get to this size and these numbers, mm-hmm. the costs are, are staggering, <laughs> frankly. Um, and you're right. You're trying to both put on a great fest. That's amazing. That's fun for everybody and draws people in, but also keep the costs in line so that enough of the profits can go. More of the profits can go to Arcadia in this case. So I think that it's, it's a balancing act. Um, you know, staffing alone uh, takes a lot. So we, we rely on a huge amount of incredible volunteers every year. Uh, you know, there'll be about 250 different people who come out, help us pour beer, help us take tickets, help mm-hmm. us clean up and set up. That's a huge help. We have obviously another couple hundred brewers, distributor reps that also show up and do the same. You know, we feed these guys, we give them beers, uh, and they have a great time. But it's amazing that they come out and give us this uh, their their Saturday uh, to help raise money. So that's one way. But otherwise, I mean, 155,000 square feet has to be fenced in. You know, you have to secure that with you know people. You have to have security for that whole space. Uh, you have to. We pay for all of our beer. Mm-hmm. We never would ask for donations. We the brewers make the beer, we buy it, and then we have to sell it. So that costs money. That's actually interesting that, um, you know, this is a a fundraiser. And more often than not, I see, you know, different fundraisers asking for beer donations. Yeah, totally. That's really interesting that that is. Yeah, you know, it started, I think, with, well, it started, I can tell you what it started. It started back when no craft brewer could afford to donate beer. Mm -hmm. They were just trying to, like, get by. So it was always like, why put the burden of cost on these tiny craft brewers? I still feel the same way. I mean, uh, let's, you know, let's, let's sell the beer let's buy yeah. the beer so the brewer can be successful and sell the beer to the guest so they can also we don't want you know to have to pander to certain brewers to get donations you start to make bad decisions i think we have a very very strict notion of who we think should be pouring beer at sally gaster and that's independent craft brewers who push the envelope and make the most amazing beer so we don't want to really play that game mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah so this costs money all the cups that we use 
thousands of cops those cost money you know like and this garbage is the removal. first year without the glass mugs, mugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah a little bit yeah we used to give away glass mugs with ticket purchases but uh it's just kind of dangerous to have ten thousand glass mugs on pavement yeah i, think. I was um, always i was always nervous about that even right. when it was in the, in the yeah, parking so we lot took th- this year they were like you know we'd prefer you not do that we said you got it so <laughs> um but i think the big thing here is you know erecting stages paying for bands all these other things that cost money and is that I think sometimes guests don't look at it like that and they, they compare the pricing of like beer at a festival or the price of a festival mm-hmm. to like what they might pay for just a random night at a bar or restaurant. And that's kind of hard because of all of the, the costs that, that go into this. Uh, it's not like we're just hosting this at the restaurant that we've been leasing for a decade or own the building. You know, this is a whole new thing that has to be built and broken down. So it's quite pricey. And the last thing is like tax. You know, when you go to a bar and like buy a beer, you pay six bucks mm-hmm. and then you get your check at 660, you know, in DC. Yeah. Uh, well, we have to pay tax on everything we sell. Of course, it's Alligaster. So when you pay, you know, six bucks at Alligaster, six tickets for a beer, it's actually 545. You know, if you pay nine tickets, it's actually 810. So I think some people also forget that when they look at some of the pricing. And the pricing is tax inclusive. Exactly. I gotcha. Well, that is great. Um, so for people that are headed to the festival or um, are going to go buy tickets today, uh, are there particular brewers that you're, you know, that you've noticed have, are getting a lot of buzz that people are really excited about? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally. And you know, I think we've also done a cool thing. This is the first year. So in the past we always, uh, like I said, serve beers in two sizes. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the rare beers would come in seven ounce pours. And then the ones that we had more, uh, more volume on would come in like, either seven or 14 ounce. So you can kind of taste or drink, you know, and in an effort to run out less quickly and mm-hmm. to spread the wealth on some of the rarer stuff, uh, the rarest beers like perennial barely to Braxis every year gets a huge line. We'll have it again this year. Uh, we'll only be served in four ounce pours. So we'll be basically doubling the amount of people who can taste the rare spears, which I'm really, really psyched about. Yeah. I think that that's going to be amazing. Also, you know, it makes the cost less on each beer. So that's really fun. Spread your money, spread out the wealth of the beer, taste more beers, which is uh, super important. Um, and that said, we've added, I think, like almost 30 new breweries this year, all of which are really, really phenomenal. So those that, of the, from that list... The ones that have been getting the most attention are The Alchemist. Yep. Uh, will actually be um, uh, purveying full cans of Hetty Topper and Focal Banger and a couple others during the fest. They sent us a pallet of cans, so we have plenty to go around. Everybody's going to be able to taste and drink Hetty Topper uh, Alchemist beers all day, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, and they've been getting a lot of attention. Some new, new, other new ones that are getting tons of attention are Monkish from Torrance, California, mm-hmm. uh, Rare Barrel from uh, Berkeley in California, Toppling Goliath from Iowa, Great Notion from Oregon sent us some beers. Uh, so that's really exciting. We've got a bunch of new New York City brewers this year. Grimm is coming along, Equilibrium, Innerborough, uh, amazing stuff. And then uh, you know, some local brewers, too, that I'm really excited about um, coming around. Kushwa from Western Maryland, Gunda from Baltimore, and Red Dragon from Fredericksburg, Virginia. 
Yeah, no, I mean, the, the lineup is really great and there's a nice spread of everything. There's a full list on the website of all the brewers as well as all the beers. Um, so definitely, definitely check out the website, snallagasterdc.com. Tickets still available. Uh, thank you again, Greg. This has been wonderful to chat with you again. Totally. Uh, and you know, hopefully you can see Greg running around, uh, like a crazy person on <laughs> Saturday, <laughs> uh, listen in every Monday on beer me, uh, full service radio recorded live at the line hotel in Adams, Morgan, Washington, DC, or anywhere that you get your podcasts. Thank you all very much. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.